0: Welcome back to the 150 K podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where he helped take you to six figures and beyond. I'm with Jake Blanchard, who is a podcaster, husband, father, consultant, high performance coach. Now, we met through a mutual friend, George Bryant, at an event. It's actually kind of funny Um I'm probably the last ten guests have come from that event. So, podcast tip: go to some events. you can meet some cool people and get them on your show. Um, But Jake, for people that don't know you as well as I do, tell us a little bit about your background, yourself, and what you're doing.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I think you hit the top of the waves there pretty well, as far as um, you know the major buckets. I'm a proud uh, father of two kids, uh, eight years old, six year old little boy, little girl. They're fantastic. Uh, Been married to my wife for 12 years. We've been together 18. Nice. Uh, which, uh, with my age, is half our life. Uh, so proud of that milestone. Together, we've been, uh, you know, high school kids together, and uh, now, uh, you know, fairly well functioning adults, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is funny, um, you know. But but as you mentioned from a career standpoint, I own a consulting firm. It's called Delta Perspective. Um, I am focused on strategic planning, uh, project management, process improvement. Uh, my educational background is in supply chain management. So I kind of nerd out on, you know, logistics and sourcing and warehousing and all those fun things, uh, and kind of sink my teeth into any project that has a mixture of that in it. Uh, and then, man, I I've been on a personal journey for a number of years of just really getting in touch with who I am in my heart and in between my ears and trying to understand how to optimize myself and find a good work-life flow, if you will. Um, and uh, that kind of led me into trying to support others uh, in their journey. So I, it was natural for me, um, who always loves to teach, to uh, maybe start a, a performance coaching business on the side. So excited to be here with you, Joe. Like, loved meeting you at the conference, uh, and then uh, certainly honored uh, when you extended the invitation.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you being on. And first and foremost, congrats. I've been married to my wife for 20 years. We have three kids. Uh, yeah, I love that. that that's amazing when you're able to be with, yeah, I've been with her over half my life now too, thinking about that, just yeah. going through that whole process and everything. <laughs> so you are into consulting and doing stuff like that. How did you even get into that field? Did you just one day decide, hey, I want to be a consultant or what led you to do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, funny story. Um, I uh, I was a, a junior in college and uh, my, a good friend of mine's dad I uh, had spent a number of years at Hewitt-Packard. He'd been in operations. Um, he, he'd been running some things with them uh, at their Boise site and facility. And, you know, naturally he and I, you know, as a business major, I was focusing in supply chain. We got to talking. And at that point in his career, he had left Hewitt-Packard and started a consulting company. And he was just kind of talking about the types of problems that he solves. And it just seemed really interesting. It seemed interesting to parachute in to an organization and to have a a period of time where you had to learn as fast as you could, distill information quickly, put it into different kind of operating models, and then, you know, figure out how to add value or make recommendations for change and then actually go out and implement them. So I was kind of infatuated with that process at the same time i had a uh an internship with a semiconductor manufacturer in idaho that the internship kind of disappeared they'd laid off a lot of people in the organization and uh i i had no more home uh, if you will uh, with them so i needed to go out and uh, find an internship and i found a hospital uh, that was willing to offer me an unpaid internship it was 160 hours so it was about a month of working, right? 40 hours a week. Uh, if you worked full time, a lot of students end up spreading that stuff out over like six months and mm-hmm. you know they focus on one project. I just showed up to, I went to Ross, you know, dress for less. I went and got myself some dress shirts and started my, <laughs> you know, um, and I got my 160 hours in like the first month. Yeah. And uh, I was, I wasn't necessarily what I would consider done with my project. Um, and I really enjoyed what I was doing. Like I was learning a lot. So I was like, I'm just going to keep showing up. And then it really just turned into this thing for like six months. I just kept showing up to work. My badge worked. Nobody was questioning me. Like I kind of felt like I was getting away with something there. And uh, the guy who brought me on actually worked in another building. So nobody at that site knew the nature of my relationship with the organization. And, you know, long story short, um, it became finals week. I'd been there for like six months. I'd learned a ton. I was starting to actually make impact.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they, we, we had to sit down as I was getting ready to leave the organization. They're like, dude, we really like you. Like, we want you to stick around. We don't have any full-time employee positions available for this budget year, but we do have a discretionary consulting budget. We'd like to bring you on through that. Nice. And I was like, man, how interesting that is. Like organizations are willing to spend money for outside eyes or for kind of uh, resources assigned to a specific task or group of tasks to solve a problem. And then, you know, pairing that with my uh, conversation with Tom, which was the the gentleman's name uh, who had, had been doing the consulting, I was like, man, I wonder, I wonder if I could be a career consultant. And what I realized was a lot of people try to talk you out of that. They're like, no, you need to go get 20 or 30 years worth of experience in a field and then go consult. Um, And I just never prescribed to that. I was always like, no, this is about communication. It's like effective communication. This is about um, understanding a problem space and like getting to the heart of what's wrong and then learning frameworks to help make that improvement. And if I can do those things over say eight to 10 years, I can go be a consultant without 20 or 30 years of experience in one specific field. Uh, And so that's, yeah. I started Delta Perspective Consulting in 2008, and then I got really serious about it in 2013.
0: No, that's cool. So it's kind of like you had the internship, you realized that you're a problem solver. you were there, they you just kept showing up and they were letting you get away with it. And also you're like, wait a minute, I can just go do this and they'll pay me. That's great. I like, I like that. That's a fun story.
1: Yeah, man. It's uh it it was it was definitely a fun time, you know. The the uh, the statement of work was really loose too. It was kind of like justify your existence. Like, mm-hmm. you know, go find us you know, opportunities for improvement and make recommendations. And so I found myself working on a lot of really compelling projects for this hospital. Um, So I, we'd be doing like surgery constructs. We'd be looking at like the overarching surgery spend and looking at the different product sets that are brought in and trying to consolidate vendors and get physicians to agree on, you know, what types of consumable products that we can get rid of. And like, it was, it, it was fun.
0: Yeah. It sounds a lot like what I did when I fell into sales. Cause I fell into sales. I was working for a pharmaceutical company. They downsized. I had a family. I was like 30 and I had to get a job and I took a hundred percent commission job. So like for the first six weeks, you get 300 bucks a week. That's it. Yeah. And you know, you and then you just have to be creative and you have to problem solve and figure out a way. And it's kind of the same thing. I was selling a product. You're going in looking at a business and reshaping it into, you know, being more efficient saving money, whatever it was that your task was. But that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, you know, this is, uh, um, it's one of those things that you really have to be invested in. Like I had to understand very quickly where my skills gaps were early on. It was, I had a lot of really great ideas. I had no idea how to implement them. In fact, uh, an early mentor in my career uh, Carleen once sat down with me and she's like, there's a, there's like a, a Valley, You know, there's like somebody that has really great ideas and can get things moving. And what happens is those projects or those initiatives or whatever goes into this valley. And she goes, at this point in time, you're really great at thinking of solutions. but You're terrible at implementing them. Mm -hmm. Because at the time I was leading a organization in Idaho around supply chain as well, just like a professional organization. It was volunteer based. And I was having a really hard time as a leader. I was not leading well i was not communicating well i wasn't supporting that organization well i thought the act of showing up and being a part of the organization was part of being successful and it's not like just because you can fog a mirror doesn't mean you're doing the thing uh, and it took me a while to understand yeah hey you need project management oh you need discipline around the way that you manage your own personal tasks oh you need time management oh, you need to actually learn process improvement methods and how Lean and Six Sigma work. And like, if you want to do all the things that you're saying that you want to do, you have to be bolting on this skill set with purpose as opposed to organically. And that mindset shift really opened doors for me uh, in the world of consulting.
0: So, and that leads me to, because you mentioned like leveling up and getting better. Like that's what I'm hearing through this thread. Like you found an idea of what you wanted to do and you started doing it. And then first you're open- for people to actually put input, which is key. And then yeah. you start leveling up. So how important is it for you to like have coaches and mentors, stuff like that? And how did you level up from there? Because I know this wasn't just one conversation.
1: Yeah, you know, I've gravitated to different people at different times in my life, depending on my recognition of what they're really good at, or something that that I can learn from them or learn from being around them. Um, you know, early on, I, there's a guy, actually, I just moderated a supply chain panel here in, in Boise. And, and one of the gentlemen who's the, who's the chief operating officer of the food bank here in Idaho was on the panel. He was one of my first mentors early on in my career. And one of the things that he told me absolutely blew my mind is that he kept, he kept his phone and this was, you know, not everybody had cell phones at the time, right? This is, you know, for work, Mm -hmm. he had a desk phone and he kept the desk phone on the left side of his desk because the 10 key was on the right-hand side of his desk. And the 10 key is opposite of the numbers on the phone. So the phone, the top left corner is the one on the 10 K, the top left corner is a seven Mm -hmm. and he separated them because his fingers left and right would, he could, he could dial without looking with his left hand and he could 10 K key without looking with his right hand. Yeah. And he never had to make that transition. And so his, his potential for error reduced. And it was the first time that I had ever heard somebody like care about their potential for error and their Mm -hmm. day-to-day really take pride in their work in that way come up with like this fun little solution or this like standard that they personally hold themselves to or that they do. And when I heard him say that, I was like, man, I wonder where I'm phoning in on just about everything that I do. And it's Mm -hmm. the way that I manage email. And it's the way that I, so like Randy was one of the first people that kind of opened that, um, that door around like mentoring and coaching. And then throughout the years, you know, I found people who are big time strategic thinkers. I found people who are mentors around process improvement. Uh, I found people who are mentors around entrepreneurship, which, Mm -hmm. you know, from you in the intro, you were talking about George Bryant. Um, you know, George is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I, I will go to any event that George puts on, I, I will rush to it. Um, just because of how much value he provides in those settings. Um, uh, another gentleman, Bedros Cooley, and I, I went through the Modern Day Night Project um, as a, uh, uh, in class 001. And I learned a tremendous amount about myself and the way that I manage time and the way that I view my life. And so I've continually kind of evolved and it's yeah. gone to a bigger and bigger scale um, of the way that I seek mentorship or insight or perspective Uh, And I I think that that's a core tenet of my personality. And I think successful people, at least from my perspective of successful people, that tends to show up is Mm -hmm. is the inquisitive, how might I get better? How might I look things differently? How might I grow?
0: Yeah. No, no. I'm with you 100%. Like I started getting into podcasting. I started reading more books. I started doing stuff. Now I'm starting to go to events and I have people that have mentored me along the way in the beginning, I didn't even realize I had mentors. Like I just, you know, you're going through life, you're a new salesperson, whatever. And you're like, Oh cool. And then I'm like, well, this guy is really, really good. What is he doing that I'm not doing? Cause I knew I could take myself to where I was, but I wanted to get to the top. So I'd always find these people to level up with. I like that. Um, so is that what led you to getting into podcasting as well? Cause I honestly use podcasting and I invite people on so I can learn more stuff. That's one of my little yeah. things with the podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, I started a podcast uh, out of COVID boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like nine months in, you know, prior to COVID, I was a traveling consultant. I spent seven, eight years on the road, go to a lot of different hospitals and health systems. And then COVID happens. I'm at home for nine months, you know, mm-hmm. and, I used to like talking to people on airplanes flying back. I wasn't doing that anymore. Um, and I was realizing there was a couple things happening. One, I wasn't learning the new stuff. I didn't have like the medium for like asking, what is that book? What are you reading? What are you doing? Like, oh, you know, how about this event going on in the world? So I just, I just didn't have that kind of outside perspective. Um, two, I was, I was kind of like, Socially atrophying, mm-hmm. I think that there's a. I think it's underestimated how much actually speaking contributes to your success. Like, I, I it's so important to have that word availability, like the repetition of sitting down and telling stories and reflecting and you know having a conversation to which you're engaged and listening. Um, we're hit with so much inputs, but we're not giving enough outputs. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we used to do this around the dinner table or when families live closer to one another, or like, there's a lot of like social situations and constructs that existed for us to be able to share information like this and find the words for things that we need to describe. And I found myself suffering from like an internal anxiety of not being able to get those words out and truly express how I feel about different things, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I've always kind of wanted to do one. I've, it's just, you know, it's closing the skills gap for me, uh, and being comfortable just turning it on and going. Uh, so the confluence of those two or three things coming together, um, sparked the Jake Blanchard podcast. And I'm, I don't know, 80, 90 something episodes in by now.
0: Nice. Yeah. No. And I agree with you. Like I used to joke because I write a little bit of historical fiction for fun too, but I was like, I would have been the old dude by the fire telling stories. Like that's like what I really like doing. And I think when you're doing podcasting and interacting with people, you're able to, you know, connect and have that flow of energy and just that different. It's different than you're sitting at an event and you're listening, which is great. I love them, yeah. but like like I actually really like the dinners and the talks and the throwing the ideas off after we heard like, you know, some of the speakers speaking stuff. So I'm with you.
1: Yeah. And you, when you say historical fiction, is that like, uh, I, I once read, uh, what was that? George Washington's the secret six. You ever read that or heard I've of that not book? read
0: that. So for me, it's a little weird. I am pre gun. Like I'm not against guns, like guns, own guns, but like when I write stuff, I like swords and shields and, Like the Romans, the Mongols, the Vikings, that era. Like I wrote this little, and it was actually funny. I wrote it on a whim. I was watching this TV show called The Last Kingdom. It's about uh, Alfred the Great and how England becomes England, which is great. So I wrote this little small short story and I put it in this group that I was in. It's like, oh, we want more. It ended up turning into like, I think six or seven chapters of just a story about this girl. And I mean, it was just, it was fun, but it was just like a little unique out for me at the time um and also that was just kind of one of those little things i think sometimes you fall into stuff like because that wasn't something i was planning on doing it just i ended up writing it and it worked where other times you know like with sales or business i've purposely put in the time and effort to level up
1: yeah yeah absolutely no that's cool man you got to have those outlets right whether it be podcasting or or writing you know i found myself uh uh on an airplane recently. I went and visited my parents They live in Oklahoma and on my way back home. Um, I was sitting there. I didn't really feel like reading anything. Um, my kids were asleep. They were tired, which we kind of taking a late flight. And I was like, man, I, I want to do something. I don't feel like working. Uh, and I used to write poetry. Mm-hmm. I spent years so between the ages of about 13, 14, although up until about 19 or 20, I would like, try to write poetry and I was like you know I haven't done this in 15 years at least like let me do it and like what I I was so mad at myself for abandoning that creative outlet Mm -hmm. like why why would I why would I not use that as a tool to to be creative or or come up with things and I felt like it It really helped me when I got back to work was because it's like kind of clearing out some cobwebs or making me think about the world differently.
0: Yeah. No, no. I'm with you. It was one of those things where like I think we just get so busy with what we think life should be that sometimes we forget that we just need to be and just to experience and to love and have fun. And like because when I write stories, I just get lost in the story. Like I just picture myself being that person. Whether it's guy, girl, whatever, I just like picture it. And I think that's the same thing. We get so caught up in what people expect us to do instead of what fills our soul, where we can actually be more creative and reach out and, you know, shine a light more.
1: Well said, my friend.
0: Yeah, you got, you got my mind going there on that one. Yeah. Um, so, so this goes back. Let's talk a little bit more about community because we were at the event and we talked with a lot of people. And you actually, I'm going to commend you on this because you helped me do something I had never done before. So like I was in Montana in May and I did a quick little dip in the water. I said, I did a cold plunge. I didn't, it was like 30 seconds. Wasn't that big. Wasn't that great. But I was like, Oh yeah, I did this. And all. Uh, we were, um, and I'll set the table real quick. I was sitting at the thing. I think it was, there's a couple of guys who say, like, Hey, we're going to do the cold dip. And you like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And like, and I walk out there. I don't remember if it was you or Gabe said, no, we're doing at least three minutes. I'm like three minutes. I was thinking oh, yeah. do 20 seconds. Um, and we jumped in and I started like hyperventilating and breathing like crazy and all. And also he said, just, just breathe. And yeah. he was like, walked me through the moment. Then all of a sudden just like clicked. So first thank you for helping me get past that point. Because when I first jumped in, I was like, Oh crap, I want out. But then like you, you kind of just helped me walk through it. So I'm going to say thank you for that. But that was, that was a really cool experience that I will remember forever.
1: <laughs> absolutely, man. I tell you what, the cold, I am i am absolutely in love with it. Um, and, you know, uh, cold bath is a, a regular practice for me. Um, and what I realize is so mental and it's so much breathing. And like, to your point, like going into it, we tend to think, oh, this is a 15 to 20 second thing. And then when you get in the water, you realize as long as I can breathe through it, and acclimate and just be confident that I'm going to be okay. All of a sudden you can stay in there for a considerable amount of time, as long as it's safe. Right. I mean, yeah, depending on the water temperature and you know, how your body's been adapted and those types of things. Uh, I picked up cold plunges uh, and I mentioned the project or the modern day night project earlier. Uh, I picked it up there. first time I ever got into an ice bath, it was 33 degrees. Uh, I had been working out um, and like hiking and doing all this stuff for like 36 hours straight or something crazy like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we went in for like three or four minutes and it felt, it felt amazing, but I kind of got in a trance while I was in there. Like I've just got like hyper-focused and the world just narrowed and mm-hmm. I got, it, it was a beautiful moment for me because somebody had to pull me out of the water. Like they were like, all right, it's time. And I just didn't even hear him. I was just so present and so there, um, And so this time of year in Idaho, you know, I get about six months, five months Mm -hmm. a year uh, where I can just kind of keep a cold tub outside, change the water every couple of weeks or whatever, um, do my best to keep it clean and, and uh, you know, try to get in there a couple of times a week, man. It's it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Down here in Texas, we can't do that. I mean, it got cold today, but (laughs) cold here is not the same. Um, I'm originally from Michigan, so up there I could have. But yeah, no, I agree with you. When we were in the water after about 90 seconds and I relaxed, it just like clicked. And it, like you said, that whole presence—like you just don't, if you haven't experienced it, it's like nothing else matters at that moment. I guess that's the best yeah. way I can describe it. You're just in the moment, which yeah. I think is rare.
1: Yeah, you got to embrace the suck, man. It's, uh, you know, it. it this kind of touches a um, a vein that's really close to my heart right now is a, like emotional and physical resilience, like our ability to um, seek out. Um, opportunities to be uncomfortable. I, I recently did something called Suck Fest. It was a 27 mile run, and every 0.2 miles, you stop and do 15 reps of two different exercises. So you run 27 miles, you do 4,080 reps. And I wasn't training to run all that much before this, I was running a couple 5Ks. Mm -hmm. throughout the the months before, um, I was doing some basic stretching and my normal workout, but I went into that going, I'm just, I'm going to do this. Like nothing's going to stop me from doing it. And of course I wish that my time was a little better or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, But the reality of it is I did it. I completed it. I finished it. I pushed myself. I did something I truly did not want to do for a considerable amount of time. And I'm still riding the wave. I'm still like, I look back and I go, well, this isn't suck fest. Like whatever I'm doing, I'm like, it's not suck fest. This is way yeah. better than that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, people should try to apply that um, a little bit more into their life and, and think about pushing themselves out of their comfort zone in a, in a reasonable way.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think the problem is, is most people don't like to be uncomfortable and you had to be willing to get uncomfortable to do that type of stuff. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure you've read David Goggins' books and how he pushes himself and does some of the crazy stuff. Stay but I hard. Think, yeah. I think it's just being willing to put yourself in those situations because that's where the growth is. Just like even in my limited, like I lift weights and do some exercise stuff like that. But if I'm not pushing myself and feeling it, I'm not really doing anything. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not moving forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and you know, it's, it's pretty easy to get started, right? I mean, it's, you can sit down and you know, I, I take a couple categories. How far do you think you can walk today? You know, write down a number. Oh, 10 miles. Okay. Double that number and start at 8 PM. Great. So now I'm going to walk 20 miles starting at night. (laughs) Like, yeah, that sucks, man. But like, just push yourself and then put yourself in a situation that you wouldn't normally be in. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun way to look at it.
0: Well, but then you can apply it to business life and that type of stuff. Because if you can do a hard physical thing, then when you get into something that's hard mentally, you already have the fortitude. Well, crap, I just did the 27 mile shit fest thing that you said you did or whatever shit it was. Fest suck fest, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It could you know, shit fest, brother. It was- that's just where my mind was like, oh my gosh, that would be crazy. Yeah. Um, But if you can conquer yourself physically, that helps with the mental, I would think. Yeah, and- I think when
1: it's paired with uh, a reasonable amount of discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're disciplined in your life, if you've got things that you do, like some people do the morning routine type thing, whatever works for them. Some people are in the gym on a regular basis. Some people have like three hour, do not disturb working blocks. Like whatever's on your calendar that you're making a commitment to yourself and then executing what a wonderful foundation. And then every now and then, you just got to drop a nuke on it, in mm-hmm. my opinion, and make yourself uncomfortable. So whether that's, you know, pushing yourself to do something big, like the suck fest thing, or saying like, I'm going to start doing ice baths now, or I'm just yeah. going to level up in some different way that, that creates a higher level of stress, but I'm going to embrace it because I'm choosing, I'm at the steering wheel, I'm deciding to do this. Um, you know, the, you know, these are all things that I've gotten to learn from, from great kind of mentors and folks along the way. Uh, Very few of this is, or very little of this is, um, you know, my own original thinking, Um, but it's working. It's working for people who go out and seek that discomfort uh, and uh, are working on building emotional resilience and physical resilience in their life.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Like when I did 75 hard, that's why I did it. I did the first time in the cold, beat the cold, thought I was just going to crush the summer here in Texas. And it kicked my ass. So I recalculated, waited till the next summer and started even earlier and made myself do it in July and August through September instead of the August that kicked my butt the first time. It was just one of those things. I'm like, no, this beat me. I'm not gonna let it beat me again. And I put myself in that thing, but more mentally prepared. And I think that's yeah. the key.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But it, it, it's, it's interesting what you can do and how you can accomplish things if you have the support system, if you put your mind to it and you know what your goal is in mind.
1: Yeah. And and I've been so thankful um when you when you talk about things like support system, like my wife, I just absolutely phenomenal in kind of understanding that uh I'm a fucking whack job as a human, uh, and that like what feeds me and what I need is to get out of balance in my life. Like I arguably, you know, you had Brian Bogart on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um I Uh, I know Brian and I actually had a conversation with him today. He calls me up. He's like, Hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm out of balance. (laughs) He's like, man, but thank you for your honesty. Like, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being honest about it. But like, for me, that's a good thing. Like, I need to be out of balance. Sometimes I need to go find that line of what I'm capable of doing. I need to go and figure out how to reorganize my calendar, my schedule to, to meet all the goals in my life. And being out of balance means that I just went through a period of pushing myself or taking on a new task or something that's hard and difficult. Uh, and then now here I am dealing with that upfront energy tax and what's required uh, of this new body of work. How can I go to the gym and do the ice baths and uh, make time for family and run a consulting firm and do the coaching and run the podcast? And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just a lot and I accept it. And I give myself some grace where I can. And I'm really hard on myself in other areas that are super important. And you kind of go from there. So I don't know, man, it's uh, my, my wife has been very understanding through that process. Uh, and she's, you know, really tried to help me reflect and make sure that I'm not just doing things to do things that I'm doing it with purpose and, and that I'm truly fulfilled. Uh, and as long as I'm willing to answer yes to that, um, you know, she's been an amazing support, uh, at least for the last, I don't know, 18 years.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And, and I think that's that You've hit a few really cool keys here. So first commend you having the right partner in your corner is key. hundred yeah. percent. I would not be where I was at if I wasn't married to my wife, just because of the support system, that whole process. And then it's just finding what works for you, like for you And what makes you be fulfilled and be able to do all the different stuff might not work for someone else, but that's okay. You just had to figure out what's your process, but have it structured. Because you mentioned that too, about having time blocks and knowing what you're needing to do. And then every once in a while, you just got to disrupt that whole system and go into chaos so that you can kind of reforge and become what you want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's no joke, man. I think the other thing too is like, I had a really hard time early on Understanding what my role is with my kids, mm-hmm. like, and, and part of that's embarrassing to admit to. I think another part of it is just really real. I don't know how often parents may be like sitting there and taking the time and thinking about you know, what is my role in this relationship? What's my role as my kids get older and how their lives change? How much of this is mentoring and coaching versus how much of this is like direct authoritative parenting, and yeah. how much time am I making on my calendar to enjoy those experiences? Uh, with them? And and what do I want to get out of each day with them? And am I really planning? Am I really planning my day with my children and those types of things? And right now I'm out of balance. So I'm not doing a great job of that. And you know, that's the first thing that starts to go is mm-hmm. the stuff you take for granted, your family, oftentimes. Yep. And I always know it's like, there's like a week or two where I'll look back at my calendar and go, Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> like, I did not make near enough time for those who are most important to me. Um, And, you know, these are the people who understand when I move things around, they get it, they support me, those types of things. Um, But man, you can only do that for so long, uh, until that's, that's what they view you as, is somebody who's willing to put other things before them. And so being really conscious of that um, and, and making space for everything, or as George says, making containers mm-hmm. for everything, uh, absolutely critical.
0: No, I, I'm with you hundred percent. And it's funny because I have a 19 year old, a 16 year old and a seven year old. So in the beginning, oh, Joe, you don't here.
1: have a 19 year old. You got a 19 year old. Yes. Oh man. Yes. You're, you're a young man for, for having a 19 year old. Well, we I mean, got married I- young.
0: So like I was, I had just turned 24. My wife had turned 20. We were like youth group sweethearts, got married super young, which is great. Looking back now, it's probably a little bit crazy, but at the time it worked. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. But what I learned, it was funny because in the beginning I was young, so I leaned more toward the "do what I need you to do" because I grew up in blue collar that type of stuff. But now that we've gotten older, and the two bigs will laugh about sometimes. Sometimes they complain. With the little one, I'm a lot more laid back. Oh, it's okay. No, she's fine. We don't have to do. And it's just that learning process and setting up time frames for them. You know, and it's hard at times, but sometimes like. I had a friend tell me this once. I always tell this to any dad I talk to. When they're young, take them on dates. Boy, girl, doesn't matter. Go to wherever you want to eat, whatever. Let them talk to you about anything they want to talk about. When they get older, they'll talk to you about the important stuff. My 19-year-old tells me pretty much everything, like boyfriend, relationships, all that stuff, only because in the beginning, I made that relationship about when she was talking about like Barbie or something that maybe I didn't care about. Yeah. but. Sorry, that was just something that just like clicked in my head no, when you were talking about that.
1: No, a really important point. I think the other thing that that doesn't feel natural for me is like actually scheduling family. Like I that was a hard thing to get used to. Mm-hmm. Is like, you know, my work calendar is my work calendar. Yeah. And if I put my family on my work calendar, it feels like my family is somehow tied to work. You mm-hmm. know, like if I got to check my calendar to know that it's time for me to eat family dinner and spend time with my family. But I can tell you that for me, if it doesn't make it on my calendar, like I'm a naturally like lazy person, a natural like procrastinator. Mm -hmm. Um, If I schedule it, I'll do it. If I don't schedule it, I will waste time. I just find myself wasting time. I think a lot of people that I've told that to, they can relate Mm -hmm. and so like absolutely get that family time that date night all that stuff on the calendar uh, or you will end up looking back and being like shit i wasted how many hours i watched the other day i watched like six episodes in a row of seinfeld Mm -hmm. um that's not typical for me but like i just needed some like mindless
0: like Yep. yep and uh
1: i'm like what and then the next day i get up and i'm like what could I have done with my wife in that time that could have made our relationship more meaningful or, or, or deeper? What could I have learned? What could we be done together? Like, how could I have served her in, in some other way? Like, how could I help myself out today, Jake of the future by doing something yesterday um, that, you know, as, as funny as George Costanza is, it's not quite as important about what's going on in my yes. life right now. Um, and so, you know, again, uh, that was a result of, not time blocking. Uh, and you know, that, uh, I guess the, the default operating system for me is, is, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Well, and we all do it like this last weekend. I just let myself actually even today, so I got off work a little bit early because I'm done with my sales job for the year and, I came home this afternoon and I played video games because I knew I had the podcast tonight. My wife knows Tuesday nights and Wednesdays are nice to do podcasts. She's cool with it. And then I tried to, if I'm doing two on one day, then that Wednesday, I don't do it. You know, I just, I tried to block it off. But this afternoon, I just needed time to just, I played this silly little game. And for me, it was okay, but I have to allow myself to be like, okay, I chose to do this. That's great. Knowing that later on, I'm going to do more stuff. And then my daughter came up to me a little bit before I got on the podcast with Brian, which was before this, she's like, Hey, play this game. And I took like 10, 15 minutes and we were playing the little game with her. And it's just being able having the ability to adapt, but not beating yourself up too much. If you do have to, because I I think we can fall into both camps.
1: Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's no hard and fast rule here, but there's certainly some really great advice um, that I heard around schedule time to do nothing. Right. But again, you're still scheduling time. Yeah. Like, but like, just be purposeful about the time in this time I'm doing nothing. So I'm setting a clear expectation. I'm doing nothing. I'm either sitting here playing video games or watching Seinfeld or whatever it is. But as long as, so again, personally, as long as at the end of a period of time, I don't feel like I was wasting time like that. I was in charge of that block of time. I can kind of rid that anxiety from like building up inside that like somehow I'm eroding this like disciplined person that operates my body, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think the thing that happens with like people that listen to this podcast and your podcast podcast we're more on the side of being driven. Like you, I run a podcast. I do sales coaching. I'm a number one salesperson for my company. I do a bunch of different things. And then I still want to spend time with wife, kids, family, and all. And I'm always going. So I have to make myself stop. But, I mean, you have to have that balance in what are you choosing today? And I'm going to be happy to do that for now. Because, again, I... Knowing you as little as I do, Jake, I'm quite sure you're not sitting there every day of the night, week, six hours a night watching Seinfeld. You did it Maybe. the one time, but you probably did about 1,800 things before then. Yeah. That before you you let yourself do that.
1: Yeah, that goes to giving yourself credit, celebrating the wins, all that stuff, and you know it's it's purposeful. You got it. You got to do it. You got to. Yeah. But you know, I also don't like like the reward system, like you know you know, I did this, so I deserve that. Like that drives me crazy because I used to manage my life with that. Like I'm entitled. It creates this like behavior pattern of like, oh, I do three things like this and now I get an ice cream cone. And it's like, that's yeah, not, no. I, I don't incentivize very well around that. I think it's, it's more around, I've worked relatively hard to be able to control my calendar. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not doing that, I'm not serving the purpose of why I've worked really hard. So I kind of feel yeah. like I feel like I wasted time. Like if I'm if I'm not controlling <laughs> the calendar, uh, then I feel like I, w- I wasted all that time. So you know all of, what a is uh, it's an interesting conversation around, you know, time management and Seinfeld and whatever yeah. game you were playing, which I am curious. Oh, I know what the-
0: medieval Total War II. It's an old Sega or I think it's Sega, I don't know, but it's like you're in medieval Europe and you're pretty much, you can be anyone from England to the Moors, to Russia, to Byzantium, whatever. And it's just like a real-time strategy game, take forever. I don't think I've ever beat this game. It just, it's fun for me. Again, going back to swords and shields and all that stuff, it draws me in, so.
1: Yeah, that's awesome i used so, to play i used oh hold on i used to play uh what was that civilization like uh age of empires or something yep, like yep.
0: that play both of those it's a good
1: oh, man i love those games those like and that's i i don't know i feel like i look back as a kid and i was like man i must have wasted time doing that but also like that's a really strategic game and <laughs> like you know you're you're kind of the chess master there and I, there's yep. value or at least lessons uh in in some of those games Now i played a lot of mindless games too, but. Uh, I, I do like those kind of like long term, like all of a sudden you get attacked where you weren't <laughs> expecting to get attacked and it just changes your whole strategy. Those, those
0: are fun games. Well, it's problem solving and you're a problem solver. That's kind of how I look at my sales job too. I like problem solving. I like playing chess too. You mentioned that. Um, and I think for for helping your mind get more focused and stuff, sometimes games work for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, we're not done yet, but I try to put this in the middle. Tell people where they can find you. Oh, man.
1: Yeah. Um, Easiest place, jakeblanchard.com. You can go there. You see my podcast. You see uh, a couple photos of me on there and a little bit of it about. uh, I do a web series too uh, that you can find out about at jakeblanchard.com. My consulting firm is deltaplife.com. It's just Delta Perspective and um, and then Instagram, I'm Jake underscore in underscore Blanchard or LinkedIn, Jacob Blanchard. And you can find me all those places. Nice. Cool.
0: Well, I have this really unique question. I like to ask some guests and because you're a thinker, I wanted to ask you this one. Oh man. It set me up <laughs> as a, fun a thinker. One. Oh no. Okay. So you can go back in time as far as you want. Yeah. You can go forward in time as far as you want. You can meet one person, stay with them for a year and learn whatever you want and then you get to bring it back here where would you go and what would you learn
1: wow that's a big question so let's let's break that i can go anytime in history
0: yep or into the future
1: or i can go into the future and i can spend a year as an understudy Mm -hmm. or just seeing how these this person thinks, etc. etc. You
0: get to spend a year with them learning from them, however that's framed for you.
1: Mm. Yeah, like my my first like my first go-to on this would be like someone like Einstein, right? But I kind of actually feel like that that might be a disappointment just because he wore the same stuff all the time and like he thinks at a level that um I can't quite uh, completely understand mm-hmm. um, you know what it would probably be is uh, I would love to go to um, like the early days. I, I just wrote, I just read a book uh, called breathe
0: mm-hmm.
1: by uh, Hicks and Gracie. And he's one of the, like the famous um, Gracie Jiu Jitsu Oh, yeah. okay cool in the, in the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu family and i don't know exactly what year i would pick but there was a point in time where um this like brazilian jiu-jitsu movement was really starting to take off um, and I think it would just be really interesting. Like if I, especially if I could go back in time and like a young man's body, like, you like a 21 year old that's bendy and flexible and has all yeah. the energy in the world to do it, uh, and just go grind it out, uh, every day. And, and just, I don't know that, that makes sense to me. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, but I don't know if that's the best use of my time. Like it's any, any time period, any time period. Oh, yep. Joe, this is a, that's a heavy question, man. Um, all right. I got to make a final decision here. I'm sorry. I'm I'm wafting too long. Do people usually waft this long on these types of questions?
0: Yes. Okay. They do. Okay, good. And very rarely do they go in the future. I've had one person go in the future. Oh yeah. Um,
1: all right. I've got it. I would be, um, I can't remember this. It's an, it's a shame that I can't remember uh, exactly what year it was. Um, but th- the framers of the constitution, mm-hmm. I, I would go to Philadelphia. I would spend the time with the framers. I would sit in the house with 39 folks or however many folks were in that room. Um, having great debates about the role of government in society and talking about governments of the past and and transitioning power to the people, at least conceptually, to give mm-hmm. them autonomy and freedom and rights. Um, I think that would be a really interesting time period, at least those four months uh, that they spent framing the Constitution. So I'd, I'd probably pick you know, maybe about two months before, mm-hmm. hang out with my boy Ben Franklin, yep. uh, and then show up for that, and then maybe spend some time afterwards watching how... Uh, how that those documents were disseminated and spread out across the public and and how the early days of of the United States forming was done that that's probably the most interesting period of time to me I used to go to uh, Philadelphia for work on a regular basis and I and I would go to the the They have a constitution museum there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's it's wonderful. Uh, If you ever get a chance to go, they have life-size wax figures upstairs standing around the table. And you can really kind of follow all the different articles of the constitution. So, yeah. I mean, if I'm really checking in deeply with myself, as fun as hanging out with Einstein or the Gracie's like, I'm going with the framers.
0: That is cool. Yeah. I really like history. I like that time period as well. And just the, the way their minds were and the different things they were debating that they tried to get, but didn't get fixed to even later, like when the Civil War happened or other stuff, because they were debating some of those topics even back then, like yeah. before that. Yeah, no, that would be cool. And Ben Franklin and all them. Yeah, those are yeah. some pretty crazy cool dudes.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the, the thing that I at least picked up from studying, and I know, very little by the way when it comes to like the body of knowledge around this era so you know i'm a neanderthal when it comes to this kind of stuff but at least my my basic understanding is like the folks that were in the room though they disagreed fundamentally believed in the output they believed Mm -hmm. that a nation had to come together they believe that those colonies uh, and those sites had to had to unify in, in a way and they were willing to make concessions mm-hmm. and put debates on pause for the greater good of the people so that there wasn't these like long periods or an, uh, an extreme, uh, even more extended period post the, the Revolutionary War uh, of instability. Yeah. Like, we need leadership. And we need a way of doing business together from a government standpoint. And we need to have faith in our elected leaders uh, and that they will serve the people uh, in this really interesting, you know, what do they call it? A a constitutionally limited democratic Republic that was Mm -hmm. formed the first of its kind. Yep. Um, So, you know, what a cool period of time.
0: No, no, it totally was. And the fact that they agreed to disagree and move forward and many of them Ended up being broke, lost their lives, so many different things. But for the idea that men could make their own choice and not be under tyranny. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I love that stuff. Like I'm with you 100% well, on that.
1: And, and I think too, like when I reflect on that period of time, like it wasn't a perfect, like, there's, there's this like viewpoint today where we look back at those people and we're like, well, you know, you didn't let, you know, uh, minorities and people like that own land or where women couldn't vote and, and they're still slaves. And like, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of blind spots yep. um, and there was a lot of uh, opportunity for improvement viewed through the modern eye. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I, th- I think, though, the foundation was built in a way that we could kind of build the the structure that we're in today Yep. that, you know, arguably, as long as it's not completely bastardized, which I think the politicians are doing a pretty good job doing right now. um, But at least the spirit of the doctrine allowed a lot of those things to kind of get fixed over time.
0: Yeah. And that's, Um, that's what I was thinking. That whole point, you know, they, they got a framework and then 50 years later, they fixed the issue of slavery. Then about 50 years later, we started fixing, like, you know, allowing women to vote and just different things yeah. to the point now it's gotten better. Is it perfect? No, but it's a lot better. It and should it have happened King a lot King sooner, King 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 too. Better. But
1: What can you do about it? Right. That's <laughs> yeah. just it's our history, man. Yep. It's our history. And there was a, a lot of, you know, unfairness about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, it's a lot better than going back into like, a, oh, we're like King George Washington. And now King George is going to tell us what to do for the next 400 years. Could you imagine the place that we would be in uh, if we allowed that type of, uh, you know, monarchy or, or, or tyrannical structure to, to take hold? Um, it, we certainly wouldn't have the progress that we have today. So there's, you know, there's a lot of good in it.
0: Yeah, there's just pivots in time that happen that affect the world. And if it would have shifted a little bit one way or the other, the world would be so different, which is wow. just so crazy to me. Now I'm getting really? into my little historical vein because I like that stuff. But like there's this one yeah. battle, and I'm going to I'm gonna nerd out for just one second. There's this one it. battle in England that uh, Alfred the Great was going to be done. He was hiding in a swamp. He called a bunch of farmers to fight, for lack of a better term, Viking. which you call Viking warriors? They were actually Daned swordsmen that were actually trained from youth to fight. And the farmers beat the swordsmen. And that's why England's here, which it, wow. it shouldn't have happened. Like but like that one battle would have changed the course of the world because if England wouldn't have been made, it would have been Daneland. Would they have explored? Would America have happened? Like one little crazy battle in the 800s. And we just think about that. Then think about how are you here? The random yeah. of like the pairs of people, if you go back, that stuff's just crazy to me. That's why I'm like, be grateful for what you have. Try to get better. Do your best. Is life always fair? No, but do your best, become who you can be, and here at least you have the opportunity to try.
1: Hundred percent, brother, I I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Yeah, I love that. Any other like words of wisdom? I know we talked about a bunch of different stuff. I was going to start talking to you about the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but then you went on the historical thing, and I just (laughs) I like I've tried. Let's we can we can do that. I did I did do that once. Meaning, I went to a thing. I have a buddy that does it, and I tried it out, and I liked it but I know they were being super nice to me. And like the, the master guy there, the, the, I don't know what he was called to be honest. So I'm calling him the master. He was letting me do stuff. He's trying, and I know I sucked at it, but I was so tired after doing it for like, we did it for like two hours, <laughs> six minute rolls or whatever. Yeah. And I ha- didn't even know what I was doing. Like it's.
1: Yeah. It takes years, man. It's a, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a gentle, uh, um, the gentle art. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's, you know, for those uh, maybe your listeners who who aren't as familiar with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, it is a, a grappling art. Uh, historically, it has deep ties to Judo. Um, there was a, a brand of Jiu Jitsu called Japanese Jiu Jitsu, really related to Judo, incorporated some additional things like submissions. Um, I, I don't know exactly which ones were introduced, but i just I just know it evolved a bit. Uh, And then this family called the Gracies, um, you know, really took this art of jujitsu, specifically Elio Gracie was a small man in stature uh, and started adapting jujitsu to fit a a smaller frame uh, to be able to beat a larger opponent. Mm -hmm. And it really focused on technique and body mechanics and small movements and, and just you know, pulled in some different ideas from different, uh, martial arts and it became this thing. Uh, and it proved out, uh, really well in the world for, for years as being one of the more effective, uh, or most effective, uh, martial arts. And we see it today in the UFC, Mm -hmm. a lot of the ground game that it's happening. The arm bars, the chokes, it's all, I'm hopelessly addicted to it. Um, I'd love to do it more, more. If I could do it six, seven days a week, I absolutely would make time to do that. Um, but to get your body in the shape where it doesn't hurt is Mm -hmm. like a two-year thing. And you got to be in a good gym too. Like there's a lot of gyms out there. Well, there's some gyms out there. I should say that, uh, you know, there's just some monsters in there that mm-hmm. maybe don't dial it back a little bit and uh, i thankfully found a really great gym here in idaho uh it's run by professor keith open oh excuse me owen um and uh he, it's awesome man and uh it gives me there's you can't really think about anything else when somebody's trying to choke you yeah like it puts you in that that you know we we're talking about the ice bath earlier you know your singularity of focus um yeah, it's hard to think about anything else when somebody's like going after your neck or your arms, or you've got to kind of defend yourself, or you just don't want by by you know pride or ego, you just don't want to get tapped out. And you should, by the way, like you should tap if yeah. somebody's got you. But you know that uh, the introduction of that martial art into my life really was a catalyst for so many positive improvements. And and I'd strongly suggest it for anybody. And I wouldn't even worry about physical ability or anything like that. Like it will come. They say a black belt in jujitsu is a white belt that did not quit. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. You just show up and willing to do it. And you'll probably put up with a few minor nagging injuries
0: uh, at a minimum. (laughs)
1: And uh, you'll grow as a person, Joe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I probably will go back. Like right now I'm doing weightlifting. I do a lot of walking. I do a heavy bag and stuff. Um, I liked it, but your fight or flight definitely kicks in. Like, yeah. especially when you're just in there and I, and I understand what you're saying in that moment. And you're just like, and especially because I didn't know what I was doing at all. And that was the intense,
1: the, the, how tense people get when they're mm-hmm. doing it, that's like all their muscles fire. Cause they don't know which muscles to use and like what parts of your body to relax. It, it takes a while. It really does take a year or two to kind of figure out how to just kind of stay calm and flow through it. And when you're actually in danger versus when you're not in danger. Uh, but once you kind of figure it out, it's, it's a, it's empowering.
0: Yeah. When it's just like business, I think of it that way. Same thing. You're like, when you're starting out with your business, you don't know what levers to pull, how to do it, but you have to just keep sticking it out and learning and growing. And that's just kind of how my mind works with this. What other words of wisdom do you have for my guests before I let you go? dude? Um,
1: love man, love and grace. That's what the world needs right now is some love and some grace. I mean, you know, I've been reflecting a lot on like, I gotta make sure that the, I, I'm not putting prerequisites on the love that I'm willing to give other people. Like they don't need to prescribe to a certain ideology. They don't need to, to, to agree with me on everything or feed my echo chamber. Um, also recognizing that they're an individual and they're having a human experience and they're on their own journey in their life. And, I need to give them space to have that. They're not always going to say the right things. They're not even, by the way, what, what are right things? Yeah. You know, I mean, we need to be open about what we think and what we feel and how we feel it. And as long as we're being respectful in that pursuit, and as long as we're, you know, coming at it from a place of like good intentions instead of like trying to hurt people, I think that that should be honored. Um, and What happens in corporate culture when you have like authoritative leadership that's telling you, no, you can't do this and no, you can't do that. And no, because you do these things, you equal a bad person that creates a culture where people hide mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we see a lot in our society right now is because we're not giving each other that love and that grace and respecting their experiences, um, that people are kind of hiding how they feel about things. And that's, I just think that's so detrimental, um, to, to what we're trying to be, It's just, you know, we have an opportunity to be such an amazing, uh, uh, society in 2021, 22, you know, what, what, whatever year it is, um, <laughs> 2022, such a, such an opportunity to be a, uh, an amazing society. So, um, yeah, love and grace, man, all the way.
0: I love it. Jake, thank you for being my podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: For sure, brother. I'm looking forward to having you on mine too, man. You are a fantastic host. Um, Your listeners are a privilege to have you, my man. Anytime, I would love to come back.
0: Awesome, appreciate you. And thank you all for listening to the 150K Podcast where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Please share this episode with friends, family, colleagues, people that can benefit from it. And also comment, like, and subscribe so that more people can hear this. And until next time, love well, see people for who they are, and just be you. Have a great day.